TII item 242, September 29th, 2012. Tim Cook's letter. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by SquareTrade. Please visit squaretrade.com forward slash TII to get your discount on your iOS device warranty. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Ran for sending in the music you hear in the background. Ran wrote, Hi Rob, I am attaching my song Skywalking, which was made using GarageBand app for the iPad. Regards, Ran. Well, thanks Ran for the music. And folks, I will try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode today. I also want to thank Kevin for sending in the artwork for today's episode. Kevin wrote, Hi Rob. This artwork is for the Jewish audience of the show, Apple and Honey, for a sweet new year. Per the photo, I added TII to the picture using the app Avery, A-V-I-A-R-Y. Regards, Kevin. Well, Kevin, thanks for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Kevin's artwork in the TII app and the extras for episode 242, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer, as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and I'll try to get it up on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Since the experience of using an iPad is much more like using a computer, Apple's well, perhaps Steve Jobs by himself, stubbornness to reject Flash and not support many standard web widgets makes the experience on iPad inferior to a computer. Bar portability, this is not the case for Android and likely Windows 8. Unquote. Guton, Seeking Alpha, 2nd of July, 2012. Well, Guton, let me think. What was it Adobe recently had to say about mobile Flash? Uh, let me think. Um... um Oh yeah, it's dead. And even Adobe put a fork in it. Steve Jobs was 100% correct about mobile flash. Just saying. This week we have promo codes for two apps. The first app is DeskCalc, two words. Here is the review from the dev. Quote, DeskCalc for the iPad, iPhone, and iPod Touch recently updated for iOS 6 and the iPhone 5. DeskCalc gives a beautiful, large, full-screen view in both portrait and landscape orientation. If a user gets distracted in mid-equation, all they need to do is glance at the digital tape right below the main display to see all of their current calculations. A quick swipe up on the screen will open a new window showing all of the saved calculations. Users can copy and paste their calculations to another app or share them via SMS or email. DeskCalc offers a clean and professional user experience with a crisp layout that is pleasing to the eye, unquote. Well, thanks for the dev for sending in their review of App DeskCalc for me to read and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put DeskCalc, two words, in the subject line. The second app we have promo codes for is the app Color Protect, 
one word. Here is the promo sent in from the dev. Hi, my name is Pascal, and I'm the creator of the Color Protect app. If you're like me, you have probably 50 different logins, PIN numbers, and passwords to remember. For websites, games, or even your iPhone, remembering them all can be very confusing. Color Protect isn't just another password manager. It's much cooler. It stores and encrypts all your login information. There's color labeling for each item, so you can find it quickly by using the color filter. There's also an integrated template system, which you can use to create your own input forms or whatever you need. The only code you have to remember from now on is the one you need to log into Color Protect. And it's not even a code that uses numbers or letters. It's a bit different. Just try it out and see for yourself. Thanks. Thanks, Pascal, for the review of your app, Color Protect, and for sending in the promo codes giveaway. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Color Protect in the subject line. As always, just send in one email for one specific app, but not for both. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then, well, no soup for you. And folks, yes, I do mean it. I do delete out emails when you send in two emails in a week, one for each app. A quick reminder, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. All right, let's get into the news. So how many iPhone 5s did Apple sell in the first weekend? Over 5 million, which seems to be all they had to sell. Analysts were expecting it to be from 6 to 10 million, but 5 million plus is over a million more than the iPhone 4S last year sold on its first weekend. But since analysts had overhyped the number to 6 to 10 million, with a couple saying 12 million or even 15 million, you should not be surprised the stock took a big hit this week. The 5 million iPhones sold or the stock price drop really were not the big news from last week or weekend, or even from Apple's press release. And no, the big news has nothing to do with maps or YouTube apps or where you find your podcasts. Nope, the big news from the press release was the number of devices now running iOS 6. Over 100 million. Explanation mark, explanation mark, explanation mark. Don't get me wrong, 5 million iPhones sold in the first three days was very impressive. The only launch close was last year's iPhone 4S launch, but that 4 million sold in last weekend, or the first weekend last year, logistically was not nearly as impressive as this year's 5 million. And Apple said they could have sold more if they had more iPhone 5s to sell. Why I think logistically it is much more impressive this year? Last year, the iPhone 4S had the luxury of using some of the same components as the iPhone 4. So the 4S borrowed from the iPhone 4. That made it easier to get some components in there. This year, the case is brand new, as is the screen, both in size and technology. There is even a new dock connector. Don't get me started on that. This time around, Apple's supply chain did not have the advantage of a previous generation's device to borrow capacity from. 
This time it was from zero to five million units on the word go. And that is a pretty impressive feat. Congrats to Apple and its suppliers for pulling that off, even if it was still not up to demand and below analyst expectations. But again, to me, the biggest news from the past week and week and a half was not about the aforementioned 5 million iPhone 5s. Nope. It was about the 100 million iOS devices that are now running iOS 6 after just five days. To compare that with iOS 5 launch last year, Apple announced only 25 million devices had upgraded. A 4x increase year over year is really impressive and great news to the developers out there of iOS apps. If you want to see how big a deal this is, say versus Android, Jelly Bean, the latest version of Android, aka Android 4.1, launched in early July. Through early September, for two months after the launch of Jelly Bean, Android had 1.47% adoption. And Android fanboys thought that was good news. Yikes! Working out the numbers, 1.46 of about 450 million Android devices is about 6.6 million Android devices in 60 days. And that's being generous because that's based on 1.47% of traffic to uh, the site. You know there wasn't all 400 or, or service or ad network. There were, you know all 450 million weren't going. But we'll just say 6.6 million. Best case, reality, probably around 4 million or less. Um, devices in 60 days have been able to update to the latest version of their OS versus over 100 million iOS devices in just five days now running the latest version of iOS. This, again, is why it's so important if you are a developer to develop first for iOS. You can be assured that when you are developing for the latest version of the OS, there is actually an audience for your app. Switching back to iPhone 5 news, after every iPhone launch, and I mean every one, there have always been some reports of a very small percentage of new owners having an issue. Heck, on the first iPhone 4 I purchased, I had the issue of it overheating before I even left the parking lot at Apple. Walked back in, showed them the issue, and was handed a brand new iPhone. No questions asked. Thank you, Apple. And guess what? This time around, it's no different. Not that I got an overheating iPhone 5. I didn't get an iPhone 5. But rather, that some percentage reporting issues. With the key issues this time being, one, slow Wi-Fi, two, scuffing of the antenna and scuffing of the back of the black iPhone 5s, three, leaking light around the edge of the white iPhone 5, four, battery life issues where it loses its charge quickly, Five, purple halo in photos when you take a photo and have a bright light just out of the frame, be it the sun or a bright lamp or something like that. As always, the press loves to make hay with these reports, but remember, a very small percentage out of 5 million users is still a big enough number for many reports of issues. If you have an issue, the best thing you can do is take it immediately to an Apple store if you are lucky enough to live by one. If not, call Apple. Don't take it back to where you purchased it yet if said place is not an Apple store. First, make the call to Apple Care and explain the situation you are having and see what they say. Apple is going to be more likely to offer a replacement than, say, AT&T or Sprint or Verizon or 
Best Buy or Radio Shack, as Apple does want to get back any bad units so they can troubleshoot them and make improvements. If there is a manufacturing or design issue at fault, Apple wants to know. Per the Purple Haze, yeah, that one they are not likely going to take back the phone for if it is just showing up when bright light is just off frame. But rather, they will likely tell you that is not how you want to take a picture. The sixth issue reported is that for some, the lightning cable that came with the iPhone 5 is seeing the USB side of the cable, the USB side of the cable, not the lightning side, seeing the USB side of the cable getting caught in laptops. Seems there may be an issue with the connector not getting crimped correctly. Look at your USB side of the cable and make sure it is smooth around the metal of that part of the connector. A seventh issue is that some are seeing some static lines across the screen, especially when the keyboard is up. Ken Ray over at Mac OS Ken reported having this issue. Definitely one you want to bring back to the Apple Store or call Apple about. That's one you definitely want to get it returned on. This brings me to this story. So I finally reached my goal weight of 175 pounds this past week. That is over 65 pounds for my peak weight of 240 pounds. I actually overshot my goal and weighed in, or undershot my goal, however you want to look at it, and weighed in at a low of 173 pounds and a couple ounces. This, as you might imagine, was very hard work on my part, more so on the discipline side than the planning side. But again, I was very proud of this achievement, and I was talking to my mother, my Italian mother from New York, and I told her my, of my achievement, and her reaction was, Oh, Robert, you're too thin. What are you down down to, size 32 in jeans? And I was like, well, Mom, I'm actually down to a 30-inch waist. And that's down from a 40-inch waist. But her overall feeling was, I am too light. Ironically, just a year and a half ago, she was on me for being way too heavy. And I bring this up because... The next story, the eighth item that people are complaining about or a more common complaint about the iPhone 5 is that the iPhone 5 is too light. There's an article over on Gizmodo with some Twitter quotes from those getting their hands on the iPhone 5, such as, quote, this new iPhone is way too light. I feel like it's going to just fly out of my hand with the slightest breeze, unquote. That's from at R. Beavis, or R. Beavis. And there was another quote from, held the iPhone 5 way too light for this spaz attack. I need a heavier phone so I don't completely destroy it. Unquote from at Luciana D. So just like my mom, there are some people you just can't make happy. No matter how proud you are, you lost a bunch of weight. When it comes to the iPhone 5, Apple did lie to us. Well, okay, maybe not lied. But Apple did not accurately define some specs on their website for the iPhone 5. Remember last episode when I said if you wanted a world phone for the iPhone 5, you should either get the AT&T version or wait and see which one Apple announces is unlocked? Well, those that waited are probably happy they did. Those that got the AT&T iPhone probably are not so happy right now. My assumption about the AT&T iPhone 5 probably being the best of the world phones or the best one to be a world phone was based on the specs still up on the Apple site, which shows there to be three versions, two for the U.S. and one for the rest of the world. The two U.S. models are clearly labeled GSM and CDMA. 
making it look like the CDMA version does not support GSM. Well, making it look that way at least, because where Apple misled us on their site is with the Verizon CDMA iPhone 5. Seems people have been able to test it, and they found out it does work already on a GSM network. Yes, the Verizon iPhone 5 is sold unlocked, and Verizon not only confirmed it, but said they will not be locking it in the future. So if you need an iPhone that is unlocked for world travel, the iPhone 5 is clearly the best one to buy right now. Now, it will not work fully on AT&T network, as in LTE will not work on the AT&T network. But you can make calls and get a 3G connection and some data. On top of that, the LTE bands for the Verizon iPhone 5, which are bands 135, 13, and 25, overlap with the rest of the world iPhone, which has bands 13 and 5 only. So in theory, anywhere in the world outside the U.S. where LTE is working for the iPhone 5, the Verizon iPhone 5 should also work, in theory. Into the email bag. Hi Rob, with all of Verizon's iPhone 5s unlocked, could I use it on Straight Talk? Regards, Rick. Hi, Rick. In theory, yes. You would still need to get a nano SIM card from Straight Talk to use it in the iPhone 5 to work on their network. And I don't think they have one yet available. But there are supposedly tools that you can buy that will allow you to cut it down. But I don't think those work because at the end of the day, I think it's too thick. So you have to not only cut it down, but shave it down. So I believe the gating item will be the nano SIM card. If anyone listening works for Straight Talk, please give us the straight pitch on if and when you guys will be making available nano SIM cards. On the last episode, I said on September 28th, the iPhone 5, in addition to launching in 22 different countries. By the way, congratulations if you're one of those 22 countries and you now have a new iPhone 5, um, which I happen to name on that episode, so I'm not going to name them again would also be launching, the iPhone 5 would also be launching, that is, in the U.S. on carriers, but I do not think I named them, or maybe I didn't even know of them all at that time, so let's name them. Cellcom, Antelos, Appalachian Wireless, C-Spire, GCI, and Cricket. Those are the ones that are getting the iPhone 5 in the U.S. this weekend, or actually have it right now, so by the time you hear this, they'll already have it or be sold out of it at your local carrier if that's one of the carriers you're using. I know based on past comments, we have some Intellos, Appalachian Wireless, C-Spire, and GCI people in the audience. Can't remember if we had anyone from Cellcom and Cricket. Don't remember if we got any responses there yet. But anyway, if you're one of those carriers, let us know how the iPhone 5 is working for you on those carriers and what kind of speed test results you're getting for data. And speaking of the iPhone 5 in new places, the iPhone 5 just cleared a big hurdle in China by receiving the needed regulatory certifications to go on sale in China. This means it is likely to go on sale prior to the end of the year. According to someone that was not DigitTimes or BGR, Apple had two device models, the A1429 and the A1442, which received certification. The A1429 is a most likely a CDMA version, which would likely be destined for China Unicom's WCDMA network once Apple lists a couple more specs for that model that they haven't listed so far. 
and the A1442 would likely be the one for China Telecom and their CDMA 2000 network. Regardless of the exact specs, it does look like the biggest hurdle is cleared for Apple to get the iPhone 5 officially into the hands of mainland China customers through China Unicom and China Telecom. What is still missing is any word about China Mobile, and that is likely to come via a special announcement by Apple at a future date. iFixit has their traditional teardown post up. This time, obviously, it's for the iPhone 5, and you can find it by looking for the link titled iPhone 5 Teardown iFixit in the show notes for episode 242 over today on iOS.com. I will not get into much detail here and leave that to iFixit when you visit the site. But the one big takeaway from the teardown I had was that they were impressed by how much easier the iPhone 5 will be to repair this time around versus, say, the iPhone 4S. Getting the glass and screen out is much easier this time around, which is good as that is, you know, the most likely reason to have it repaired. The downside is now the glass and touchscreen are all one. So it's not just replacing the glass if it's broken. Uh, You're replacing the whole screen and touch sensor and a whole kit and caboodle. So it's a little more pricey to replace uh, when you do break the screen. Hey, I guess this is a good place to mention squaretrade.com slash TII to get $30 off your two-year warranty, just $94 or $30 off a three-year warranty for just $124. Which one screen break is likely to cost you at least that much? Again, go to squaretrade.com slash TII for that discount or click on the banner at todayinios.com. As I have said in the past, Squaretrade is the place to go to get your warranties for your iOS device. You can get four instances or service repairs versus just two from Apple Care Plus, and SquareTrade covers you even if your iPhone is jailbroken. So no need to worry about that if you plan to jailbreak in the near future. TII listeners have been using SquareTrade since the iPhone 3GS came out, if not earlier. And the feedback I have received from any listener that needed a repair has always been very positive. So if you are looking for a reputable company with a great warranty and great customer service, SquareTrade is the company and warranty for you. Please visit squaretrade.com slash TII to get $30 off your iPhone 5 warranty. Or if you get a new iPhone 4 or 4S, you will also get $30 off that URL. Thank at that URL, I should say. Thanks, Square Trade, for sponsoring this show. Before we get back into listener feedback, I need to say this there is no way I can get to all the listener feedback, or even most, or even close to most. You guys and gals are great. This last week has been incredible on the feedback. Normally, I get between 45 minutes and 60 minutes of audio feedback. In the last week, it was close to three hours of feedback, audio feedback. And on emails, there's way over three times more uh, emails than I normally get. So if you didn't hear or don't hear your email read or voicemail played, I'm sorry. I will do my best to get some of them on the next episode. That said, don't stop sending them in. Please keep calling 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or you can email in your feedback to todayinios at gmail.com. Too much voicemail is a great problem for me to have, 
FYI, if you want to get yours played over others, keep them short and pithy. And if you want to talk about multiple subjects, send in multiple voicemails. Sending one long five-minute voicemail covering five different topics versus five one-minute long or less voicemails covering just one topic each, well, the shorter ones are more likely to get played on the show. I know there are a lot of new listeners, so thanks for bearing with me on that. Actually, the audience uh, more than doubled from in the last couple episodes, so welcome all the new listeners. Great to have you on board. All right, now into some listener feedback. Hi, Rob. This is Wes in Lexington, Kentucky. I was calling in regard to the gentleman who said he saw a moon phase next to time in his new iOS 6 device. Actually, that is the do not disturb indicator, and it indicates his phone is in do not disturb mode, which may indicate why he's, why he's missing all his calls. But I'd let you know. Bye. Thanks, Wes, for that feedback. And for all the others that sent in feedback on the crescent moon, being that it is do not disturb it is turned on. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Per the listener on the last show asking about the app to get weather of a past day for a city, they could use the website or app from Wolfram Alpha and then ask it, quote, what was the weather in Boston on May 5th, 2001, unquote. And it should give you all the info you need. You can check it out on the website first before buying the app to see if that's what you really want or what he really wants. Regards, Rich. Well, thanks, Rich. Sadly, Siri does not give you past weather info, even though it sometimes references Wolfram Alpha for other items. But again, thank you again for that feedback, Rich. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to share my experience doing a cross-update of an AT&T phone with my iPhone 5, I use my mom's upgrade eligibility to purchase the iPhone 5 from the Apple Store app. When my iPhone came, I called AT&T to process the swap, which involved telling the rep the IMEI and ICCID numbers of the old iPhone 4S I was using and the new iPhone 5. I confirmed that the micro SIM was disabled on my old 4S and active on my 5. Couldn't be happier with the short steps. Thanks, AT&T, for once. Regards, Tyler H. Hi, Rob. The download speeds with the iPhone 5 on LTE are unbelievable. Speedtest.net test has a download speed of 26.61 megabits per second and an upload speed of 22.22 megabits per second. Regards, Jim in Orlando. Well, thanks, Jim, and also congrats for getting yourself on the local news for a uh, report for waiting in line. Hi, Rob. Just got my iPhone 5, so I ran a speed test, and all I can say is it's incredible. With speedtest.net, I had 27.9 megabits per second down and 8.2 megabits per second up. I then saw your podcast was available to download and did it on the LTE network. It took less than 23 seconds. I cannot wait for AT&T to have a wider coverage. Regards, John in Secaucus, New Jersey. Hey, Rob, John Cosgrove calling. Just wanted to let you know that I uh, got the new iPhone 5 on Friday. Everything is going great, except can't get onto Siri because it's overwhelmed. But anyway, I just wanted to let you know about my uh, LTE speeds. I emailed you the other day saying I was getting over 27 uh, megs for download and 9 upload. 
And basically, um, I tested again today in another area where I travel, in Stratford, Connecticut. I was getting 57 meg download speed and nine up. Could not believe it. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, Rob. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob. It's Tracy in Nashville. I went to the Apple Store in Cool Springs, and I didn't arrive till 6.30 a.m., and the line was not bad. Once the doors opened at 8 o'clock, it was less than a half hour until I was served. I got the 64-gig white AT&T because they were out of black. They did say you can exchange them within 30 days with no charge, which I plan to do. I did run into a snag, so I want to warn people. I have the grandfathered unlimited plan through AT&T. The Apple employee store that was helping me told me that he had heard on Verizon they couldn't carry over the unlimited plan. He assumed that was true on AT&T, so I picked another plan. Uh, luckily, there was an AT&T representative there, and he said it could carry over. The problem was that they had to spend a good 30 minutes or more working on AT&T's back end, getting it changed back to the unlimited plan, and also with the point of sale software they use, the Apple Store, to get that reset just so that I could even buy the phone. If you're told that you cannot keep your AT&T unlimited plan, insist that you can, because it's true. My LTE speeds tested so far, the highest was 56.82 megabytes down, 28.07 up. Things that I really like about the new phone. I really appreciate not only the extra row of icons, but also that they have an extra row of icons within the folders. Video's much bigger, not just the added screen, but because of the black bars on the old screen, it shrunk 16 by nine content down smaller than the screen, so the jump is quite noticeable. Maps has worked fine for me so far where I live. I uh, hope that information was helpful. Love the show and look forward to the next one. Hello, Rob. This is Joe. I'm a bit of a navigation geek, I guess, on the iPhone. I've downloaded pretty much every navigation app that's out there, Garmin, Navigon, the various AT&T mapping GPS software that has come out. I was really excited to see how the uh, how Apple would do. Tried it out the very first day. I live in southeastern Michigan. One thing I noticed right away on maps for iOS 6 was that oftentimes um, as you're driving the uh, directional arrows that, that, you know, on the street signs that say, you know, get off this exit, go to the right or go to the left. On more than one occasion on my trip into work, that arrow was pointing in the wrong direction. The route had me turning right, but the arrow was pointing to the left. Also, the traffic on the um, iOS Maps app seems fairly accurate, but it's very hard to see when there is traffic on the overview map. You have to zoom in, and it's just very difficult to see where there is traffic. The maps, I would say, for me, the uh, the maps and the roads have been very accurate. All of the roads, even some recent construction around my house was uh, updated, so that looked good. I did notice that the routing, though, could have been better. A few of the, the ways that it would suggest, it suggests three ways for you, and the number one way that it tells me to go on many occasions is, is much slower than a route that I know is much, uh, is much faster. One thing I severely miss are the local businesses and the point point of interest locations that you get courtesy of Google or that we lost. That is a huge negative in my mind. Uh, very few things, very few businesses you can find in Apple Maps, which is a bit frustrating. Also, iOS 6 Maps has no speed warnings, and you cannot set like multiple waypoints or multiple destinations on one route, which I really liked. Positives for iOS 6 Maps, the map quality and the resolution seems really great. 
It scrolls very smoothly on the screen. Very clean, very simple, but that's it. Since I've been using it for the last two or three days, I've definitely gone back to Garmin North America. Um, that's the version of Garmin where you download all of the maps onto your phone. It's a big download, like two gigs, but I love having the maps on the phone. And Garmin traffic, if you need to rely on accurate traffic, it's worth the, the subscription. Uh, the Garmin traffic is fantastic. The routing on Garmin is is far superior to what I saw in uh, iOS 6 maps. So I've definitely gone back to Garmin North America as my GPS of choice. I will keep tabs on iOS 6 maps, but um, it's got a long way to go, I think, before it replaces Garmin North America. Anyways, that's it, Rob. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob. It's Carl with Prado again. I just was giving you some feedback on the map app. I've been using Wazi probably for the last year, and it had been okay. Most of the time it worked great. and had a lot of um, real traffic updates and all of that, and it was a free app. And um, as a matter of fact, it was so popular amongst my family that it became the default GPS, and I actually made it a GPS for my car. What was a problem with, um, which I was hoping, and I'm, I'm assuming will be fixed shortly, was if I used something like Gas Buddy and I wanted to click to get directions, it by default would open not into Wazi, but into um, Google Maps. So I was hoping with the Apple Street Maps, which so far for me, I'm in Connecticut, Fairfield County. I haven't had an issue. I've only been using it for the last three days, but so far it's been working like a champ. The, um, I was hoping that, you know, just finding a gas station, I could just click on the directions. It would open up in, in the uh, iOS maps. And I just think this is just Gas Buddy needing to update its um, files. I'm sure they're going to get on it shortly. But it was defaulting back to the Google site. It had not updated it. And I'm guessing that some of the other applications, until they've done the app, until they've done that, I don't know if Yelp I just did an update, but that was about that was the thing I was really looking forward to was being able to click on an app direction and go right into a into a uh, GP into the GPS of the driving maps. So far, so good. It's a little kludgy. Um Things that I would like to show up distance from to go time are not standard. I have to tap on the map throughout the thing to figure out how long I am. It's um, the buttons are a little small to see drivers and stuff like that. But it is nice to have a turn-by-turn direction baked into the OS, and baked, you know, so that things can launch from there. So I'm I'm enjoying the possibilities. So far, not an issue found. Every direction actually gave me some shorter distances here in here in the U.S. And I'm looking forward to them improving this. Well, again, thank you so much. Love the show. Love everything you guys do. Take care. Bye bye. Hey, Rob. It is Ed from Minneapolis. Just wanted to give you a couple of thoughts on the new iOS 6 Maps application. Overall, I am pretty pleased with it. It is much faster in rendering than the Google version was. I have found a couple of slight errors in the direction it gives, mainly if you're listening to voice and you have immediate turns, such as a bare left, then bare right on a double exit ramp, that sort of thing it will not handle those very well. What I do like about it quite a bit, however, is the fact that it's extremely easy to fire off. Just ask Siri to give you directions somewhere, and that's the last thing you have to do. You don't have to press any buttons, so it's excellent for hands-free operation. As far as the mass transit goes, Navigon has come up with a wonderful enhancement now that plugs into the mass transit feature of the Apple Maps application. So if you do a get directions and then touch mass transit, it will take you to Navigon and they have added mass transit directions into the Navigon application. So 
if you're a previous owner of Navigon, you still can get value out of that. Love the show. Keep up the good work. One more piece of feedback on Maps, this one via email. Hi, Rob. While Apple distanced itself from all things Google, iOS users for the first time will have to admit that there is something better out there on another platform. As a professional driver, I rely heavily on Map app. Sometimes I need to quickly glance at the map to check traffic conditions. Unfortunately, the new map is hard to see. The red dotted lines are too faint, and I find the maps are too beige and hard to see at a glance. I feel these maps with the useless flyover feature are more for the casual user than someone like me who needs a more practical map. Street View has a fantastic innovation that will be greatly missed. The turn-by-turn features was an improvement, but it's too bad we had to lose Google Maps to get it. I tried Google Maps on Safari, but it's not as good as the native Google Map app was. Apple has indicated that their maps will improve over time. Too bad they didn't wait until they were better before they released them. I hope Google can produce an app for the App Store that can give us back the user experience that we have grown to love. Regards, Nico, Glendale, New York. Thanks to all that sent in feedback on maps that I used and did not use. Originally at this point, I was going to give my thoughts and rant a bit about this being way overblown by the media and Apple haters. Granted, Apple Maps are not as good as, say, the Google Maps were, but I still don't think they are nearly as bad as people in the press make it out to be. That said, Apple actually chimed in on this topic by putting out the following letter on Friday morning from Tim Cook. He said the following, quote, To our customers, at Apple, we strive to make world-class products that deliver the best experience possible to our customers. With the launch of our new maps last week, we fell short on this commitment. We are extremely sorry for the frustration that this has caused our customers, and we are doing everything we can to make maps better. We launched maps initially. We launched maps initially with the first version of iOS. As time progressed, we wanted to provide our customers with even better maps, including features such as turn-by-turn directions, voice integration, flyover, and vector-based maps. In order to do this, we had to create a new version of maps from the ground up. There are already more than 100 million iOS devices using the new Apple Maps, with more and more joining us every day. In just over a week, iOS users with the new Maps have already searched for nearly half a billion locations. The more our customers use our Maps, the better it will get, and we greatly appreciate all the feedback we have received from you. While we're improving Maps, you can try alternatives by downloading Map apps from the App Store, like Bing, MapQuest, and Waze. Or use Google or Nokia Maps by going to their websites and creating an icon on your home screen to their web app. Everything we do at Apple is aimed at making our products the best in the world. We know that you expect that from us, and we will keep working nonstop until Maps lives up to the same incredibly high standard. Tim Cook, Apple's CEO. Unquote. So that is the word from Apple. I actually reached out to Apple Friday morning and requested an interview with Tim Cook or anyone at Apple about the letter. Apple was nice enough to reply that they did not have anyone available for an interview. I guess a guy can dream. But hey, at least they replied. Look, the letter hits the key things a PR specialist would say to do. One, be apologetic. Two, say how important the issue is to you. Three, promise to make it better. Four, offer something to those that want a solution now. 
I think Tim Cook's letter did a good job in addressing those issues. Again, I think this is blown way out of proportion, but per the letter, I also agree that Maps app from Apple could and should have been better. That all said, let's not forget about why Apple changed their maps when they did. Google would not give in on some of their demands of Apple with regards to allowing Apple to do turn-by-turn voice commands, which, according to all things D, involved Apple turning over more user data than Apple felt comfortable doing. So Apple was kind of in between a rock and a hard place. They could give in to Google and send you off to the Google slaughterhouse. Remember, with Google, you're not their customer. You are what they serve to their customer, the advertisers. So essentially, you are the cattle being sent to the Google data slaughterhouse. With Apple, you are the customer. And well, Apple did not want to give out your info. So Apple decided that what was best for the customer was to offer up their own map app. And well, if the map app was up to snuff, we would not have had the letter I just read. And we would not have people tripping over themselves to chastise Apple. Here's hoping Apple gets their Maps app updated post haste. Until then, I will try to stay away from articles about it either way. But I will continue to look to you for your feedback on the Maps app. I think you are all a much better source than anything from the link bait headline using sites that are out there. 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moondog to give me your feedback on actual Apple Map usage or recommendations for third-party maps in the meantime. You can also send that off to todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks again to everyone who's already sent in feedback. FYI, some have asked about downgrading from iOS 6 to iOS 5.1.x to get back the old maps. Well, there is a nice article titled Three Reasons Not to Downgrade to iOS 5.1.x, which you can see in the show notes. I will just add this. From what I have read, don't try it. Don't do it. Stick with iOS 6 if you already upgraded and get a third-party map app if you don't like the Apple Maps app. Again, if you're a professional driver, there are some very specific maps out there you can get. The Garmin apps, especially which were the old Navigon ones, try those out. They'll be better than probably even what Google was offering. I mean, sans Street View. Speaking of iOS 6, which we really haven't done enough of and probably won't do enough of in this episode. But anyway, here is a quick tip for iOS 6. You can stop ad tracking by going to Settings, General, About, and then scrolling down to Advertising. Click or tap that, and then you will see Limit Ad Tracking, which will be set off by default. You should turn that on. By turning this to on, you are not permitting the advertising identifier to serve you targeted ads. This is the replacement for the ad program networks that were using the UDID numbers in the past. Now they are supposed to use the advertising identifier, at least they're supposed to be using that going forward. So if you switch that off, you're not going to get targeted ads, which means you're not going to get your information being pulled out from you and uh, have some warehouse database about what you like and don't like. So if privacy is your thing, this is an option you definitely want to turn on. There were a lot of reports about violence and a riot that was at a Foxconn factory. 
First off, the violence was not on the factory floor. It was not in the factory. It was at 11 p.m. local time at the dormitory, which is on the Foxconn property. It involved about 2,000 people, which is a very large number. And exact causes, well, they vary from issues between two different groups of workers from different areas clashing, kind of a Jets and Sharks type clash, to reports about abuse by some of the security guards on some of the workers at the dormitory. This, however, is not, repeat, not about working conditions. Now, the violence did appear to spill over near the factory with windows being smashed and the factory shut down the next day while they did investigations. While some or many of the reports say this was a iPhone assembly plant, it 100% was not an iPhone assembly plant. It is in northern China. iPhone assembly is done in and around the Shenzhen, China area, which is in southern China. If this plant is involved with iPhone production at all, which has not been verified by Foxconn, but is likely. It is about building components or sub-assemblies for the iPhone. That said, most titles of articles about this had it listed as an iPhone plant, which is just so misleading. Obviously, riots at Foxconn facilities is not a good thing ever, regardless of if the factory or facility is making iPhone parts or more. And Foxconn CEO Terry or Mr. Gao flew off to the town Taiyuan, T-A-I-Y-U-A-N, to help defuse the whole situation, which recent articles say is still very tense. Seems to be more on the recent articles leading to uh, clashes between people from different uh, areas of China, northern China. For those not familiar how this works in China, oftentimes when they set up one of these plants, People will come in from, um, you know, 100, 200 miles away um, from different types of subcultures. And you're getting some uh, clashes of these subcultures here at this plant when they're bringing workers, say, 100 miles from the north and 100 miles from the south of the plant or east and west, whatever it is. You're getting these cultural clashes that are happening at the plant. I was going to make some tongue-in-cheek humor comment about, hey, if Foxconn worked them harder, they'd be sleeping at 11 p.m. and not fighting. But it seems lately some people or person has a hard time understanding that whole tongue-in-cheek humor kind of thing. So I'll pass this time. Just saying. Okay, now on to another type of butt-kicking fight altogether. And this is the slew of iPhone 5 performance reviews that have been done since the iPhone 5 was released. And Nantech, which is not an Apple site by any means, did a bunch of benchmark tests on the iPhone 5. And no matter how you looked at it or sliced it or cut it up or viewed it or tried to spin it, the iPhone 5 kicked the Samsung Galaxy S3's butt. It was not even close. I like to say it's not all about the specs. I've said that oftentimes before. It is about the overall experience, and that is why people choose the iPhone it's for the ecosystem. Well, now we can also say the specs are also in the iPhone's favor, at least this month. Okay, geek alert. For browser mark tests where higher is better, the iPhone 5 scored a score of 191,726 versus the S3's international unit's test of 172,237, which was in second. Third went to the S3 on T-Mobile USA with a score of 114,812. The big drop-off. 
the 4S was at the iPhone 4S, that is, was at 106,029. Remember, higher is better, and the iPhone 5 won. For the Sun Spider test, where lower is better, the iPhone 5 was first with a score of 908 milliseconds. The Galaxy S3 International was in fourth place with a score of 1,443 milliseconds. The iPhone 4S had a score of 1,726 milliseconds. The iPhone 5 won at the Google V8 and Octane benchmark tests, which are bigger JavaScript tests. For a whole slew of tests, the iPhone 5 on average was 2.13 times faster than the iPhone 4S, backing up Apple's claim the iPhone 5 is twice as fast as the iPhone 4S. When it came to some of the video tests, the iPhone 5 really blew away the S3, with some scores three times or more faster. Again, according to Anantec testing iPhone 5, the iPhone 5 is the clear winner of the benchmark test, hands down, no contest. Now everything is not just about benchmark tests. There is this thing called real world. And in some side-by-side -side tests done by Mashable, link in the show notes for episode 244 titled iPhone 5 Zips Past Galaxy S3 and Speed Test. Their title, not mine. Well, the iPhone 5 zipped past the S3 again. Thanks to Alon for the link on this next one, which was a YouTube video comparing the iPhone 5 versus the S3. And once again, the iPhone 5 beats the S3 in speed tests. This video showed a few apps launching and then a benchmark test with the iPhone 5 faster and the S3 slower. That is the takeaway and what you should see or what you've been seeing in all the speed tests out there. Now forget speed for a second. It's not just about speed tests. There is also the issue of screen display. And well, the good folks at DisplayMate.com, again, not an Apple site, did an iPhone 4 versus iPhone 5 versus Samsung Galaxy S3 comparison. Let's cut to the chase. Bigger is definitely not better in this case. Not only did the iPhone 5 clearly and resoundly kick the S3's butt, even the iPhone 4S kicked the S3's butt. They compared all kinds of technical specs, but to summarize, whether it's indoors or outdoors, bright light or low light, close or farther away, images just look better and more natural on the iPhone 5. Even more so than the iPhone 4 and 4S. Actually, the iPhone 5 got a grade of an A overall for display grade and screen readability and bright light. The iPhone 4 received an A- in both categories and the S3 received a B plus and a B respectively. Not saying the S3 is crap when compared with other smartphones, just when compared to the iPhone 4 and iPhone 4S and iPhone 5. And when compared to the iPhone 5, well, it really falls down. Hey, maybe all those shattered screens of the S3 and all those recent videos were just the S3 committing suicide out of embarrassment. Just saying. Actually, if you want to read all the specs and results and there are a lot. Look for the link, iPhone 5 S3 Display Shootout, in the show notes for episode 242 over at todayinios.com. Thanks to Ben for the heads up on the iPhone 5 versus Samsung Galaxy S3 drop test, which the iPhone 5 totally trounced the S3. This is the one done in Hong Kong. As a side note, I'm pretty sure I know where they did that drop test. It was in Kowloon Harbor near the Peninsula Hotel. Okay, that aside, 
This test was done by Android Authority, and they clearly wanted the iPhone 5 to lose. I mean, because they're Android Authority. But after two drops, the S3 screen was cracked, and the iPhone 5 survived. Four drops with no screen cracks. It was quite embarrassing for the S3. Just saying. You gotta watch the video. It's really worth it. I mean, in the video, they're dropping the Galaxy S3 from chest height, and then the screens are shattering. And they're dropping the iPhone 5 from over their head, six foot up, and it's not. And finally, there is a drop test video done by Square Trade, with once again the S3 clearly showing it is the cheap, more flimsy design that breaks much easier than the iPhone 5, with the iPhone 5 even semi-surviving a drop in water. Not that I suggest you ever do that. But the iPhone 5 is more likely to survive, uh, say, someone knocking a drink over next to your phone, which is a real-world occurrence, than the Galaxy S3 would appear to. Interesting part about this Square Trade test is they want to sell warranties, and their video makes the iPhone 5 like it really doesn't need a warranty or it needs it a lot less than the S3. That said, if you want a warranty, for your iPhone 5 or 4S or 4, don't forget to go to squaretrade.com slash TII to get it. Remember, it's not just about dropping it. Uh, there's the water issue. And I know recently I had my iPhone 5, 4, excuse me, my iPhone 4S in the pocket of my shorts, took my shorts off, laid them down next to the hamper. And luckily when my wife picked it up with some other clothes, as she was putting it in the washer, she realized the phone was in my pocket. So... You know, sometimes your phone's going to get subjected to a water test even when you're never around water because, well, if your clothes get washed and your phone's in your pocket, it can see water. Okay, don't forget, squaretrade.com forward slash TII to get your $30 off on your SquareTrade warranty for your iPhone 5, 4S, or 4. This video I just mentioned from SquareTrade and the one from the previous article you need to watch, especially if you are on the fence about the iPhone 5 or S3, or if you know someone that is, send them the videos. But it is safe to say, between the Galaxy S3 and the iPhone 5, there is no contest. The iPhone 5 is clearly the faster device, with the better-looking display, better low-light camera, and much, much, much better design that is much, much, much more durable than the S3's cheap plastic design. And for all of those of you that have an S3 and now want to switch over to the iPhone 5, there's an article titled How to Transfer Your Most Important Data from Android to iPhone in the show notes for episode 242 at todayinios.com. Actually, that is for anyone on Android that now realizes the iPhone 5 is clearly the better choice, spec and ecosystem-wise. Obviously, if you are an Android fanboy and you are still with us at this point, you're either switching or trying to figure out how to spam my Facebook page. Hopefully you will switch and not spam my Facebook page. Um, switching is better than spamming me. And by the way, if you switch, life will be better for you. Trust me. Anyway, to all those that have an iPhone 5, congrats. Looks like you have one kick-butt, highly durable device. Hello, Rob. This is Shakita from El Paso, Texas. Fairly new listener to the show. I recently switched over from Android to the new iPhone 5. The reason I'm calling in is to see if any of your listeners know of a group SMS app um, that allows me to send scheduled group SMS messages at a certain time of the day. If anyone can help me, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, Shakita. Thank you for having the perfect email at the perfect time. 
to answer your question, episode 238, we actually talked about that. And an app that was mentioned is Group SMS Mail and Manage Contacts app. So check out Group SMS Mail and Manage Contacts app. And of course, if anyone knows of a better app to recommend, please let us know, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Well, I found a way to get an iPhone 5 earlier than I expected. I like it a lot. So far, the press is having to work really hard to find bad press on it this time, too. But it's amazing how much they insist on finding a way, any way possible, to put a negative spin on it. They will never do that to an Android device. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have NFC. What do people do with their undefined standard NFC anyway? Yes, the lightning port breaks compatibility. But what's the alternative? Stay with the 30-pin port forever? The one thing that really kills me is when they complain about that. They put it alongside uh, who said I wanted a thinner phone. And then they brag about how thin their beloved Androids are. Obviously, they want the world on Android. I think maybe they want the world on anything but Apple, really. Regards, Jim. Jim, we as Apple fanboys must not hate the haters. We must turn the other cheek. We must bring them the light that we know of, that we have come to embrace. The Apple haters, they live in a dark, cold world, a bitter world. We should not cross over there. We should help bring them to our side, the light side. Hi, Rob. When is a new iPod Touch coming out? Thanks, Gene B. Hi, Gene B. All we know is it is in October. Didn't say when which is why I think the iPad mini will not launch until November. You have the iPod Touch and the new iPod Nano both listing an October launch date. You have the new rollout of the iPhone in 22 markets yesterday on the 28th, and you have Apple quarterly conference call at the end of the month. And I believe you're going to have the iPad mini announcement on October 17th, right during the middle of the ITU conference in Dubai. Apple likes to take the wind out of the sails of that conference and others that might try to make announcements around it or at it. But again, all we know for the iPod Nano and the iPod Touch is sometime in October they will be released. Hey folks, I hate to do this, but I'm going to actually cut this episode at this point. I have a lot more news to get to, so maybe I'll be able to get another episode out earlier than a week from now. I apologize for that. I'm maybe only halfway through the news but it's 4.40 in the morning, and we're an hour into the episode, so I think this is a good place to cut it off. Again, lots of feedback and lots of news this past week. Um, hopefully, we'll be getting into more information and tips and tricks about iOS 6 in the coming weeks. As always, if you have any feedback that you want to contribute to the show, please give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Don't forget about the TII app. It's the best way to consume this show and get breaking news via push notifications. It's just $2.99 in the App Store. Search for TII official app for this podcast. And finally, thanks for Square Trade for sponsoring the show. Go to squaretrade.com forward slash TII to get $30 off on your warranty for your new iPhone 5, new iPhone 4S, new iPhone 4 whichever of those three items that you're buying or just bought or getting ready to buy, take a look at Square Trade for your warranty. 
that's going to go ahead and do it for us this time. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to bone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. here. One more thing I want to say, and I forgot to put in the show earlier. I'm going to be keynoting at PodCamp Topeka on Saturday, October 13th. If you're in the Kansas City area, the Topeka area, if you can drive in, if you're in Lincoln or Omaha, if you're somewhere nearby Wichita, would love to see you at PodCamp Topeka. It's a one-day event, Saturday, October 13th. I'll be keynoting the PodCamp. Uh, just Google PodCamp Topeka.